The Diaries August 10th, 2020 Fire, Sacred Fire It is a glorious summer morning, and the sun is filtering through the blinds and painting bright golden stripes on the white bed linens. Chloe, my cat, is equally delighted, stretched out and sunbathing on my reading chair. I open all the windows to take in the warm, nurturing breeze, the bird song, and the brightness. The light immediately lifts the mist of my deep sleep and my disturbing dream. Have you ever had a dream about someone whom you think you are resolved with, completely unaware of any upset, and then you have a dream in which you are in conflict, deeply angry and resentful towards this person? Well, I had such a dream last night about someone close to me. It's not the first time either. In fact, I've had the same dream with the same feelings and a different backdrop several times over the years. And so I realize there is something in my subconscious mind that is yet unresolved. My beloved teachers, doctors Ron and Mary Holnick, used to say that sometimes unresolved issues are like icebergs, and what you see at the top is, well, only the tip of it, and you may have to chip away at it and go deeper to one day dissolve it completely. When the upset arises, you must hold the feelings in the light of your loving presence, bathe the upset in love and compassion, and eventually that divine golden energy will soften and melt it all away. Another mentor of mine, Dr. Alberto Violdo, says that genuine forgiveness cannot happen at the mental level. The old Neanderthal brain where anger originates and resides can only be truly transformed through meditative spiritual ceremony. You must experience a rite of passage to deeply and completely forgive. In the ceremony that Dr. Violdo, who is a psychologist, a medical anthropologist, and a shaman, recommends, you begin by lighting a fire in a safe place, such as in a fireplace, or out of doors in a fire pit, or in the desert, and then prepare a gathering of sticks. Each stick represents a person or an experience you wish to forgive and release. So you hold this person or situation in your awareness, and then when you're ready, you place the stick into the fire and watch it burn, smoke, and transmute into the nothingness from where it came. And then, and this is the critical part, you must express your gratitude to this person or experience for the learning, growth, and expansion you gained from this. You can also perform the ceremony inside your home using a candle, matchsticks, and a bowl of sand or water to extinguish the burning match. There is something so powerful, primordial, transformative, and sacred about fire and candle flame. So this afternoon, I intend to carry out this sacred forgiveness ritual myself. I will include everyone and everything I can possibly imagine I may still need to forgive, 
including or especially myself. There's always more of that, isn't there? I'm also going to head out for a long bike ride along the waterfront in the summer sunshine. The wide paved path near my home follows the beach line for 25 kilometers in each direction and makes for the perfect ride. Being on my bike always makes me feel like I am 13 years old, just as happy and carefree as a child. And sometimes shifting our consciousness is as simple as filling our lives with a little more joy. Hi, and welcome back to the show. I'm Jen, and as always, I'm so grateful to have you here with me and to spend this time with you. I took a walk this morning not long ago. It rained overnight where I am, and it's one of those damp, overcast, early summer days when the green just looks so green. It makes me feel soft and laid back. There's a pretty little church near my house with a cemetery that encircles it, and it's one of my favorite places to walk. It's so quiet, verdant, and overgrown, and it always makes me feel peaceful, grounded, in alignment with the true nature of reality. And it's not a negative or a dark thing that I'm talking about, but quite the opposite, to be reminded of the power of stillness and the fleeting preciousness of life. I just wanted to share that with you. And it's not far off from the subject that we're going to explore today. That is the profound and often elusive matter of forgiveness. Even since I wrote that diary entry about a year ago, my own view of forgiveness has been totally upended. I always knew it was about going deeper than the conscious mind. Just thinking about forgiveness doesn't cut it in my opinion. And I knew that the onus was on me. But in the past year, I have discovered a life-changing way of forgiveness through a book by a man named Olivier Clare. I actually had the rare and extraordinary opportunity of interviewing him for this episode. And if his book changed me, our conversation affected and changed me even more. I'll be sharing it with you a little later, but first let's do some exploring. What is forgiveness? Well, as Olivier describes it in our interview, it is a healing of the wounds of the heart. We all have them, right? And for some reason, they seem trickier to get at and heal than the wounds even of the body. Why is that? And how do we truly forgive and heal those inner wounds? Well, that's the question that I intend to do my best to answer for you through this episode. One of the things that I know is that before we can heal the wounds of the heart, though, we need to acknowledge, move through, and release the painful emotions associated with whatever hurt we've experienced. First of all, emotions are the physical manifestation of thought, and all of the emotions in the landscape of human feeling are acceptable and natural but we can agree that some are more nurturing and life-supportive than others. So the sooner we can recognize and give expression to the more painful, even debilitating emotions like anger, resentment, frustration, guilt, shame, and so on, the sooner we can move them out of our bodies so they don't get stuck there. And the first step in that process is, of course, to be still and present enough 
to hear and get in touch with what we're feeling. We need to consciously carve out space for that, as we've talked about before. And then two of the best ways I know how to give release to the energy of emotions are one, rhythmic breath work, and two, movement. So walking, running, yoga, swimming, boxing, hiking, whatever. And if it's in nature, all the better. And that's why regular exercise is not only good for our bodies, but for our minds as well. It cleanses our energy and filters out the toxic chemical byproducts of emotions like anger. So you know how to do that part, the movement. And I always say choose movement that brings you joy, whatever that is for you. But the rhythmic breath work I want to introduce you to in case you haven't experienced it before. In the ancient healing and spiritual traditions, breath work has been used for thousands of years as a way to connect with the spirit and to heal the body. Just now in human history is science giving quantitative expression to what the ancients have known intuitively all along. And the science shows us that deep rhythmic breath work initiates the relaxation response, it slows brain waves and activates the subconscious mind, reduces stress, lowers blood pressure and heart rate, increases immunity, reduces cellular inflammation, prompts the release of serotonin and dopamine, the feel-good chemicals. It increases focus and mental clarity, and I could go on and on. In fact, just three minutes of rhythmic breath work is equivalent to plunging in an ice bath like Wim Hof or spending 30 minutes in an infrared sauna. I'm going to guide you through a short demonstration of what it looks like. So follow me. Breathe in, two, three. Breathe out, two, three, four, five, six. Breathe in, two, three, breathe out, two, three, four, five, six, breathe in, two, three, breathe out, two, three, four, five, six, breathe in, two, three, breathe out, two, three, four, five, six, now breathe in, two, three, and hold your breath in. Imagine your body filling up with powerful life energy until every cell is glowing with this healing white light. Now release all your air and imagine releasing everything and anything no longer serving you. Stress, toxins, old ways. Now again, breathe in, two, three, breathe out, two, three, four, five, six, and hold your breath out. Listen to my words. You are healed. You are healthy. You are strong. You are powerful. You are free. Now breathe in and begin to breathe naturally again. And even that very short experience of rhythmic breath work, should feel like a little bit of a central nervous system reset for you. And you can do that for just a few minutes anytime to cleanse difficult emotions and as a daily practice. I often do it just before my morning meditation or when I'm on a walk for a few minutes.
I also want to highlight for you the importance of self-forgiveness as a cornerstone for all other forgiveness. In his book, Olivier says, and I quote, Like the keystone of an arch, which holds it up and strengthens it, self-forgiveness supports and strengthens the structure of our daily life. It is the keystone supporting the whole architecture of the gift of forgiveness. So we can be clear and honest with ourselves and others when we make mistakes and be conscious about cultivating our highest selves and most loving qualities. That awareness and intention is different than being hard on ourselves. In fact, being gentle and compassionate and forgiving towards ourselves is much more conducive to learning and growing than being harsh and punishing. Think of how you would be with a small child who is just learning a new skill and be that patient and compassionate with yourself. We can simultaneously acknowledge our opportunities for healing and growth and be tender and self-forgiving. Ultimately here, I want to gift to you the way Olivier has gifted to me a totally fresh new view of forgiveness that is like the philosopher's stone. And most of that will be unraveled in the interview itself. But I just want to touch on a few points first. The gift of forgiveness is consciousness at its highest vibration. The gift of forgiveness is self-liberation. The gift of forgiveness occurs at the deeper level of the subconscious mind and the soul in the form of a sacred meditative ritual alone or with others. The gift of forgiveness goes beyond the personal to the universal. The gift of forgiveness reconnects you with the purpose of your life, which is love flowing through your tender, open heart. Olivier Clare's book is, of course, called The Gift of Forgiveness, A Magical Encounter with Don Miguel Ruiz. Don Miguel, in case you don't know him, is a shaman of the Toltec tradition who became world famous through his books, The Four Agreements and The Mastery of Love. And Olivier Clare dedicated the last 10 plus years of his life to teaching forgiveness around the world. I wasn't aware just before our interview that I was about to have one of the most insightful and moving conversations of my life, receiving his words of loving wisdom. Here is our conversation now. Welcome, Olivier. Thank you for being with me today. Well, it's a pleasure, Jennifer. Thank you. Where are you in the world right now, and how has the past year of the pandemic been for you? Well, I live in France. I've been living there for 35 years, although I was born in, in Switzerland. That's where I grew up. Well, it's been a, an amazing year in many respects. First of all, because of the pandemic, of course, as for everyone. But um, I'll be turning 60 in just three months, and it's been a major transition year for me as well so that life is not going to be the same afterwards. It's a, a major shift in my professional life. So in one way, not having been able to do any workshops, lectures, anything for a year, I used it as a great opportunity to move on to something new. And may I ask you what you're moving on to? 
Well, I, I've dedicated 10 years of my life to forgiveness, which is the topic we're going to be dealing with today. I just finished a new book, which is going to deal more with uh, with spirituality as I see it, as something very easy to, to live in everyday life. It's not something that you have to go to the Himalayas or somewhere far to live. Anything you do, anything you touch, the, uh, your eyes, your hands, any eating, breathing, anything can be used as a support for a spiritual life. And uh, that's something I, I, I really want to share because more and more people are willing to, to live a spiritual life. But sometimes the thing it's it has to be very complicated, where, whereas it can be something quite quite easy, quite simple. Yeah, having a presence and gratitude around the simple moments, I find, yes. is powerful. Yes. Exactly. And I would add awareness, consciousness, being aware of what we do, not, not sleepwalking. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Can you tell our listeners the story of how Don Miguel Ruiz gave you the gift of forgiveness and what you have since done with this gift? Yes, that, that was an amazing experience. You know, I'm, I'm a writer, but I'm also a translator. I've written over 20 books myself, but translated over 100 from people like Don Miguel, but also Byron Katie, uh, Marianne Williamson, well, so many others, Stan Groff, Greg Braddon, and so on. And very often I like to meet the people behind the books that I translate because a book is something, but a human being is a living book. There's a lot that you understand, that you see, that you read when you're meeting the person. So ever since I was 22, I've, I've spent time going and meeting the people that really had uh, impacted me with their books. Uh, I did that with Marshall Rosenberg, Nonviolent Communication. I did that with Robert Monroe, Out of the Body Experiences. So when I was lucky to find the four agreements to translate and publish them in French, I wanted to meet the man behind that amazing book. And I was lucky because back there in 1998, Don was not yet world famous. And when in 1999, I went to Teotihuacan in Mexico to meet him, we were just a small group coming from uh, mostly France and Switzerland. There was about 20 of us, so really a, a small group. We had a intimacy and an intimate connection with Don Miguel and, and also Maud Sejournal, who organized the trip for us. And my idea was to meet the man behind the four agreements. And also I had this intention, you know, I thought it was time for me for something to change. I didn't know exactly what, but I thought something has got to change. So it, I went to Mexico thinking, well, maybe it's an opportunity for me to start something new. But forgiveness was not part of the program. It appeared nowhere. So I had no idea, no expectation that something along those lines could happen to me. On the second day uh, of our trip, we were there for two weeks, something quite unusual happened. First of all, Miguel asked me to, to come up to him. We were all seated in a, in a lounge at our hotel. And I wonder why me? Okay, so I get up. And he has this little gift wrapped in, in, uh, in paper to, to give to me. And so I open the gift and there is a little uh, crystal jaguar. And I have translated two books by Miguel, The Four Agreements plus The Mastery of Love. So I should know a little bit about what a, a jaguar means 
in the Toltec tradition, it's the, the symbol of the apprentice apprenticeship. But the thing is, this trip started on the 12th of September 1999, just on my 38th birthday. So when Don Miguel asked me, do you know why I'm making this gift to you? I say, yeah, of course, because I had my birthday two days ago. <laughs> Very clever answer, of course. And Miguel says, no, that's not it. He says, I'm taking you as my apprentice. And when he says that, it's very puzzling for me because uh, I did not come to start an apprenticeship. I have a spiritual life of my own for the 15 past years. And so I'm, I'm very puzzled. Can I accept his offer? Because I'm very honored by that offer, but I don't know whether it's compatible, whether I can accept. And I'm all in, in this uh, mess, you know, wondering, yes, no, what do I do? And then suddenly, out of nowhere, Don Miguel says to me, now I want you to kneel in front of this participant on your left, the first woman closest to me, and I want you to ask forgiveness from her. Now, when I tell that story, I say to people, imagine yourself in my position. You've come to Mexico, the weather is just gorgeous, the people are nice, you have having a great time. Here you have Don Miguel Ruiz just close to you, and then without any explanations, he tells me, please kneel down in front of that lady and ask forgiveness from her. So what do you think happens? I start asking myself a hundred questions. I'm making a lot of assumptions. What did I do to this woman? Do, do I have a karma with her? Did I do something bad in a past life? Or did I have bad, bad thoughts towards her? My mind is going crazy. But I've learned something in my life is that sometimes you can't understand. You need to do things. You need to live things. And when you're living them, maybe you'll understand. So I don't understand at all why he's asking me that. But I do what he says. I do kneel in front of that woman. I look at her in, in her eyes and I say, please, please forgive me. Because, and I try to find a reason and Miguel stops me and he says, no, don't try to find a reason. Just ask forgiveness from her and then move on to the next participant and then the next and do the whole group. Now, imagine that. I mean, I thought all I had to do was take care of that little karma with that woman and that's it. And then Miguel tells me I have to go and ask forgiveness from the whole group, 20 people. So my mind goes blank but I move on to the next person and I look and I take the time. I want to do this, you know, not, not quick. I want to take the time. So I look at the next person and I say, please forgive me. And I move on and I keep doing that. And of course I see tears running down the faces of a few of the participants. So they're getting emotional too. And at some point, because I'm doing this, suddenly I understand what's really happening. I don't have any personal issues with any of those people. We've known each other for 48 hours. So when I ask forgiveness from them, it can't be from them personally. It's a transpersonal ritual that I'm going through because through the eyes of that woman, through the, the face of that man, what is really occurring inside me is that I'm asking forgiveness from all the men and women now and any year before that, with whom I've had issues, towards whom I feel resentment or hatred or whatever other emotion inside me. I remember two specific things. 
at some point I'm in front of a woman and when I look at her and I say, please forgive me, suddenly it's not her face that I see, but the face of my mother. It's like through that woman, I'm actually asking forgiveness from my mother who's 6,000 miles away from me. And now that's an amazing experience. And a lot of people have experienced that in the circles of forgiveness I've, I've created since. And then the same thing, three, four participants later, there's this man there. And then when I look at him, suddenly it's no longer his face, but the face of a former colleague. And I had a lot of issues with that colleague. And yeah. then through that man, I can just ask forgiveness and finally release something that I'd been carrying for so many years. I suppose you noticed that you're bringing tears to my eyes right yes. now. But I'm making a pause because I realize this is, uh, this is touching you. Yeah. I'm feeling what you may have been feeling. And I suppose speaking to you right now is, is giving me a transpersonal experience as well. Okay. Extraordinary. Yeah. Please go on. Yes. And because of, of those, two, the, those two instances, suddenly I realize, I understand what's going on. I'm being offered a sample of humanity. These 20 men and women, and some of them come from very different countries, and uh, they represent a sample of humanity. Through them, I can ask forgiveness for, from every single human being on this planet that I've had issues with. Whether I was the victim or the other person, that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. All I feel is that there's this huge letting go inside. There's something in, in me that says, I no longer want to carry this hatred, this resentment, this fear, this anger. I want to be free of, of loving. So the remaining half of the circle, uh, the, the rest of the people I need to ask forgiveness from, I'm already living a sort of a peak experience. I'm, I'm high inside and that's just the first the first step of the the process of course i'm discovering that i don't know how many steps i know nothing but when i'm finished miguel asks me to stand up and to come close to him and then second step he has this uh, strange request we don't do it like this in circles of forgiveness today but i'll explain how it was done with me suddenly he says i want you to ask forgiveness from the devil quite surprising isn't it He says to me, ask forgiveness because you've been using the devil. You've been using the dark side, dark side of the force for those who like Star Wars. You've been using that as an excuse to keep your heart shut. That's an amazing request. And I I understand what he really means. What he's asking me is to ask forgiveness from what I would call our scapegoats, you know, we make these people or those people responsible of why there are problems in the world. You know, we're good people, we're wonderful, but the others, the others are not the right one. The others, it's because of them that the world is not going that good. And so we use others, we use the people who, who do wrong on this planet as an excuse to keep our hearts shut, to, to breed negative feelings and emotions. So in asking me to to ask forgiveness from my scapegoats, Miguel is actually giving me back my freedom, giving me back my power. I'm the only one who decides what kind of feelings and emotion I want inside my heart. It's not the people out there. Of course, there are people doing evil. 
we all know that. But does that mean that I have to feel hatred, that I have to be in anger? No, I have a choice. But that choice, we've got to become aware of that. And in that second request, I became aware of that. So I closed my eyes. And for a while, I started asking forgiveness from you know, all my scapegoats, all these groups that I consider responsible, those who pollute, those who kill, those who steal, and so on. And I could feel such a relief inside. I don't have to hate them. Of course, I can do what is necessary to be done for this world to be better, but I can do that without hatred, without anger. You draw a line in the book between judgment and discernment. And that's sort of what you're talking about here. Exactly. Because non-judgment is very popular. We all to be non-judgmental. Okay. But that doesn't mean losing discernment. The capacity to know what is black, what is white, what is tall, what is small, and so on. We need discernment. But we can have discernment without adding negative emotions on what we discern. Yes. And after he asked you to ask forgiveness from your scapegoats, the devil, what next? What next? Next, again, in his own words... He said, now I ask you to please ask forgiveness from God. And he added, he said, even God we can use as an excuse to keep our hearts shut. And of course, I knew immediately what he meant. I mean, have you never heard people say, well, where was God during World War II? Where was he in the Nazi concentration camps? Where is God when a woman is raped, when uh, a child is the victim of a, a pedophile and so on? So... When we do that, we're not aware that we are actually using God as an excuse to keep our hearts shut. And I live in France. Uh, A lot of people here don't go to church. They're not particularly religious, even though a lot of people have a spiritual life. So the idea of asking forgiveness from God would not necessarily be relevant to a lot of people here. So... In sharing this ritual over the past 10 years, it was important for me to find a way that it could be done by anyone. So what we do in this third step is to ask forgiveness from what is bigger than ourselves. It can be life, it can be nature, it can be God, it can be whatever anyone wants. But I want this ritual that is so beautiful and so powerful to be compatible with anyone's beliefs, philosophy, or spirituality. Right. And it's an amazing step, this third step, because we realize that when something bad happens to to us, who are we mad at? Are we mad at life? Are we mad at karma? Are we mad at God? Who is responsible of what's happening to us, towards whom we can direct our anger? And in this third step, there's a huge relief. Sometimes I, I say to people, just try doing that third step Asking forgiveness from life. Because, I mean, we're alive. Life is flowing through us. But sometimes we're mad at life. Sometimes we think life is unfair. Life is unjust. How can we, little humans on this tiny planet lost in the universe, have a judgment against life itself? And what happens when we reconcile with life? When we we feel that we can be held by life like a mother holding a child. 
So there's a huge part of the process in this third step in asking forgiveness from what is bigger, greater than us. And the fourth was, he said to me, now please ask forgiveness from yourself. Why do I say that it's the most difficult part of the process? Well, because most of us don't like ourselves. Most of us keep judging ourselves every day, every hour, all the time. I can even say after 10 years uh, sharing lectures and webinars and, and workshops around forgiveness that so many people hate themselves. It's amazing the level of disrespect, lack of self-esteem, lack of self-love that there is in this society because we grow in a society of judgment. We're being judged by our parents, by our teachers, by everyone. And, and I'm not judging them when saying that. It's just, it, it's just how it is for the moments. And people think that doing so will help others improve and be better. But the result of that is that we learn to judge ourselves, to hate ourselves uh, when we're tiny kids. And so when finally, one day, we're able to let go of that and say to ourselves, say to our soul, say to our spirit, please forgive me. And, and finally say, okay, uh, I don't need to judge myself. I don't need to be that bad. It's not like this that I'm going to grow and flourish and give the best, best of myself. And so in that final fourth step, when I asked forgiveness from myself, I saw myself both the little baby that I was at some point in my life, and also I imagined the spirits, the, the, the inner flame, the soul. I asked from the bottom of my heart, I asked forgiveness from myself. And there it's like the, the dam behind which dark waters had been accumulating for 38 years. The dam finally broke and all those dark, muddy waters could flow out of my heart and something reopen and flow again. I, I had the feeling of being almost reborn, you know, like, like something just totally new was emerging uh, through that four-step process that uh, Miguel had me go through. That's amazing. And so since then, you, you have written the book and you have been lecturing and, and teaching around the world. Yes. Well, actually, to be very honest with those who listen to us, uh, it took me 10 years to write the book. Mm -hmm. uh, so the experience was in 99. I wrote the book in 2009. I even wrote it in English first, not in French, because I thought it was easier to speak about such an experience to English-speaking people, and particularly in North America. And the French edition only came out about a year later. And then people started asking me if I could uh, lead them through a similar experience. And so I started with workshops and very rapidly within a year, I, there was too much requests and I thought I can't be alone doing that. So that's where the idea came that I could create circles of forgiveness, which in just two hours would lead uh, people to experience pretty much the same thing as I had uh, in 1999. And to my big surprise, uh, these circles have become very popular immediately, so that by now there exists over 250 of them in 15 countries. And of course, it has slowed down over the past year because the process could not be uh, held 
although some things were done online, but it's uh, so much more powerful to be experienced live with real people than online that I suppose as soon as everything will go back to normal, then we have uh, tens of people waiting to be trained and to, to create circles of forgiveness here and there. And how can people find these circles of forgiveness? What is the resource that they can look up? Well, for the moment, since I created that first in France, there is, we have a website that is in, um, in, in French where all the, the circles worldwide are mentioned. There's a, an agenda that allows people to know where and when a circle is being held. I have also created a, a web page in, in English that's called giftforgiveness.olivierclair.com where I present the book. So there isn't that much in English yet. I was supposed to be in California just a year ago to train people to become a circle of forgiveness facilitators. There's only two or three of them for the moment in, in North America. Well, a little more if I count Quebec. I've trained a, a certain number of people there. But of course, because of COVID, I couldn't go to California, but we hope to do that at some point and to, and to train people so that more circles are being held in North America as well. And I will be posting your website on my, my website and on my Instagram so that people can have that resource. And as soon as things are opening back up again, just follow you and, and learn about upcoming circles of forgiveness. Now, as you've been describing, Olivier, through your experience with Don Miguel, clearly the gift of forgiveness turns our common understanding of how forgiveness works on its head because rather than looking to another person to apologize to you, you are taking responsibility and asking for forgiveness. Can you explain how and why this approach to forgiveness works? I find it to be truly elevated higher consciousness and life-changing in terms of a new way to think about forgiveness. Yes, it is very counterintuitive. What is normal for us is to think somebody has done something wrong to me that person should apologize, should ask for forgiveness, and maybe if I feel like it, I will grant my forgiveness, okay? That's pretty much the way we think things are supposed to happen. But the truth is, is that position puts us in a state of a a victim. We are powerless. Until that person that has done wrong to me finally accepts to apologize, finally shows up and says, I'm sorry, uh, and how can I make amends? We can't do anything. We are powerless. We are victims. We just have to wait. Now, if the person that has done something bad to us has died, does that mean that it's over? We have no chance of ever finding peace. I don't believe that. I think, honestly, we have so much more power than what we believe. And... uh, The amazing thing with the gift of forgiveness, as I have called this experience with Don Miguel, is that it allows us to recover the real power that we have to heal our wounds. The simplest definition that I have found for forgiveness is healing the wounds of the heart. Now, if we have a physical wound, we all know how to take care of it. 
if it's a small wound, we'll do what is necessary at home. If it's a, if it, we broke a leg or had a car accident, we have hospitals and doctors and, and, and so on to help us. So we know what to do. But with the wounds of the heart, we have this strange belief that it's only the person who did wrong to us that has the power to heal us. That is absolutely wrong. We have the power to heal. We don't have to wait for somebody else to heal us. Now, of course, if that person becomes aware of what he or she has done, if that person apologizes, that is perfect, that is wonderful. We all agree on that. But we all know that sometimes it won't happen for all sorts of reasons. And we want to be able to heal even if that does not happen. Now, why should I ask for forgiveness? Because when I'm doing so, I'm opening a door that I didn't even know existed before. Before that, I, I'm like in a prison. I'm in the prison of my hatred, of my resentment, of my anger, and I don't know any way out. And I think somebody has to come and open the door. But actually, I, I am the one who has the key of that door. And when I say, please forgive me, when I say that to the people around me, like we do in a circle of forgiveness, when I send that request to the scapegoats that I have, the people that I judge, something frees, something opens up inside. Now, of course, I'm not saying to people, knock at the door of somebody who did really uh, bad things to you and go ask forgiveness from them. That's not how it is done. It is not done either as an inner meditation, an inner process, and that's the reason I wrote the book. It allows readers to do that process all alone by themselves at home, or it is to be done in a circle of forgiveness with somebody who's been trained to lead such a ritual. The idea being that we need that healing inside but then what we'll decide to do or not outside with other people is another step, is another process. But when I say, please forgive me, you know, I'm always amazed because I, I've led hundreds of circles of forgiveness, some with just 10 or 20 people, some with up to 200 people. So thousands of people have, have gone through the process with me or other people. And I'm always amazed when we start the final ritual to see how in, in a matter of 20 to 30 seconds, just looking at another human being in their eyes and just saying, please forgive me. I want to go a little bit deeper with what you mean when you're saying, please forgive me. Let's go deeper into what that means. What's another way of expressing what you're saying? What are you asking forgiveness for? For judgment? It is a very good question. And, and the more I've worked with that process, the more I finally discovered that when I'm asking, please forgive me, I'm actually asking that from only one thing, and that is love. Because... When something bad happens to me and when I close my, my heart because I've been hurt, because I've been wounded, I cut myself off from love. So love is not flowing through me anymore. So I'm the first person to, to pay for that. 
I think that if I refuse my forgiveness, I think I'm hurting the other person. I shall never forgive you. But the truth is, as long as I don't forgive, love can't flow through me. So something inside is, is drying. Something is not okay. So when I look at this woman, at this man in a circle of forgiveness, and I say, please forgive me, what I'm truly saying is love, love, please forgive me for having cut myself off from you through that man, through that woman, through that group, through whatever channel I've cut myself from you, love. But that's how I feel it today. There's just one love. There's just one life. And we only have one heart. So when I start shutting my heart from love, how can I really love my wife, my, my husband, my children, my colleagues? Something in me is, is blocked. As, as long as I don't find this healing of my heart, then the people who are suffering from it are the one closest to me because they are living with a man or a woman that is feeling hatred, that is feeling resentment, that doesn't have a heart at peace. And reversely, if I manage to do that, if I manage to reach forgiveness, then that well-being, that unity that I have at last found in me will benefit first to the people closest to me. Honestly, to me, when I say, please forgive me, of course, there's four steps, as I described, asking forgiveness from others, from the scapegoats, from God, from oneself. But it's just four different channels to ask forgiveness from one single thing. And that is God, that is life, that is love. That's so beautiful. You explained that you wrote the book so that people could go through this experience with themselves in a meditative state at home, because the the process truly is an internal one. Like you said, it's not about knocking at the actual person's door who has done you harm and saying, please forgive me. It's an internal process where you imagine that person in front of you, but you're really asking forgiveness from love. Please forgive me, love, for shutting you, the essence and purpose of life, out of my heart. Exactly. So an example, describe how they can begin doing this at home for themselves right now. Well, we've done that a lot during the, the, the past year because, of course, uh, circles of forgiveness could not be held uh, normally. Um, and I had done that before. I had done guided meditation with up to 600 people. And I realized that, of course, it's not exactly the same as uh, going through a circle of forgiveness with each and every exercise. But it's very interesting and it, and, and it does work like that as well. And, and the process is quite simple. I ask people to simply be comfortable, sit somewhere where they can be calm and quiet for like uh, 20 minutes. Uh, 30 minutes would be the, the, the maximum. And then close their eyes and take a moment to just take a few deep breaths, you know, to go back to the body, feel the feet on the ground, feel how we are, we're being seated. And once the person is ready, I say, now just, just imagine with your eyes closed, Imagine a person with whom you have an issue and take a moment to, to feel the emotion that connects you with that person. Is it resentment? Is it sadness? 
Is it anger or something else? And if you are ready and willing, just look at that person in your mind's eye and just tell her or him, please forgive me. And feel what happens inside you when you look at that person and say, just say, please forgive me. What do you feel emotionally? What do you feel physically in your body when you're doing that? Take, take whatever time you need to do that. And then you leave some, some time for the person to do that. And then you say, then just let another face appear, another person. And repeat the same process with that person. Take a moment to feel what is the issue, what is the emotion uh, that is there. And if you're ready, if you're willing, just look that person in the eyes and say, please forgive me. And you do that face after face that, that, that shows up in your mind's eye, remaining very connected, very aligned, very centered on, on the on your own emotions, on your own feelings, as you do the process with each face, each person that appears in your imagination. And I usually give eight minutes for people to just take the time to go through that first step. And then I suggest now, now let's move on to the second phase, the second step of the process. And I, I want you to imagine all the scapegoats you may have in your life. You know those people out there that are responsible of why this planet is not is not going well. You know the the terrorists or the 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 people who who pollute or the bankers or the the bosses or the pharmaceutical laboratories. Everyone has a you know his his or her idea of the bad guys or members of that party or members of that this religion and so on. So we're no longer dealing with just individuals. We're dealing with groups, groups of people that we think are bad. It's because of them that things are not going well. And again, I say now, imagine one of them, one of those groups. And imagine asking them, please forgive me. Please forgive me for using what you do, what you say, as a reason to keep my own heart shut. Please forgive me for that. You're not asking forgiveness for what they do. What they do belongs to them. They're responsible of their acts. But what do you do with what they do? That's the question, you know. And of course, people do bad things, but I can remain loving. I can keep my own discernments. I don't have to hate. I don't have to be angry to do something useful for others. So in that second step, we take the time to identify what are our scapegoats and then to release that by saying, please forgive me. If I may give one example. Please. I've been living in France for 35 years. And one day when I was doing the process, uh, as I often do before going to sleep, you know, so that I can go to sleep without taking the negative emotion in the day in my sleep. I realized when I reached that second step that I was scapegoating France because I was born in Switzerland and France is not like Switzerland. So the Frenchmen, they are like this and they don't do this right. And, 
And I, I realized, my God, I've been living there for 20 years. How can I still scapegoat France? So I really took the time to identify that and to please ask forgiveness from France and from the French people and from the French culture, because that was ridiculous, you know? <laughs> and so sometimes we look at things that are very far and complicated, but sometimes we can, we can judge people, for, you know, people that are not spiritual. Don't we judge people because they are not spiritual enough? Isn't that some sort of a cosmic joke, you know? <laughs> So, so uh -huh. the second step is really a time to identify all those scapegoats and say, just please forgive me. Please. Mm. That's not the kind of feeling I want to have towards you. That's not the kind of emotion I want to, 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 to hold in my heart. I want to have a loving heart. I can be strong. I can have discernment. I can be wise. I can do what is necessary to be done so we live in a better world but I don't need to do that with anger. You know, my models are Gandhi or Mandela or Martin Luther King. These guys did what they did, or you can add Ama or, or Mother Teresa or other feminine examples. They did what they did with love, not with anger. Yes. So that's the, the second step. And then we move on to the third. And, I, and again, I say to people, what for you is bigger than you? Is it God? Is it life? Is it nature? Um, and take a moment, take a moment to please ask forgiveness from that bigger dimension. Become aware that sometimes you've made that responsible of evil, responsible of your own unhappiness, of the things that are not going right in your own life, you know. It's because you know life is unfair, or because God is unjust, or because karma is against me. What happens if now you please ask forgiveness from that higher dimension, from what is most sacred, most beautiful? What if you reconcile with the world as it is? What if you finally find yourself held by life, held by the divine, held with love, and not in conflict, not in intention. So take the time to please ask forgiveness from that higher dimension. And again, leaving enough time for people to really live and experience and feel what that feels like. And then when they're ready, when it's time, you say, okay, now, fourth and final step, please ask forgiveness from yourself. Take a time to imagine the little boy, the little girl you were maybe decades ago and ask forgiveness from that child. Imagine the, the spark, the divine spark of your soul and spirits, the eternal being, the divine dimension of yourself and ask forgiveness from that dimension of yourself for all the time where you've just shut yourself from yourself, from the essence of yourself. So now it's time to, to unite yourself. It's time to recover unity, to, to be at last one, to reconcile with yourself and leaving enough time for each person to experience that insight, to experience that reuniting inside. And 
Then in the book, you also describe, so those are the four central steps of, of forgiveness. And then you also add gratitude to the end of this practice. Can you talk about the link between true forgiveness and gratitude and how that, that final step works in the process? Yes, thank you for, for reminding me of that. In French, I, what I say, if I translate that in English, I say that forgiveness is the healing of the heart and gratitude is the singing, the song of the heart. A heart that is healed is the heart that sings, a heart that praises, a heart that cannot stop from saying thank you, thank you to be alive, thank you to be able to love, thank you for all the beauty in this world. I think as soon as a heart is healed, gratitude is just the first thing that flows out of a heart. A heart that cannot say thank you is a heart that is wounded. So as soon as the healing is there, something can again sing inside of us. And gratitude to me is really a, um, a basic, a founding virtue. I, I cannot imagine a spirituality that doesn't have gratitude as its basis, as its foundation. Because gratitude is what allows us to become aware that everything is given to us. Life is given to us. Love is given to us. Beauty, the air that we breathe, the language that we speak, the culture that we live in. I mean, we have so many hundreds or thousands of reasons just to be thankful. And as soon as the heart starts to dwell in gratitude, then you don't even need to do positive thinking because if your heart is singing, your thoughts will be positive, you know. And if your heart is singing, then your health will improve. In the U.S., you have this great man, Dr. Fred Luskin, who has this um, uh, Stanford uh, Forgiveness Project at the University of Stanford. Well, Fred has shown in his studies that people who do not forgive, and by saying that, I'm not judging anyone. It's difficult for all of us. But people who cannot forgive are making themselves literally sick. Uh, stomach pains, joints, cancers, tumors, all sorts of illnesses are the result of holding a grudge. Do I forgive or do I hold a grudge? When we don't, when we're not forgiving, we're not punishing anyone else. We're just making ourselves sick. And reversely, gratitude, forgiveness heals us. There are a lot of wonderful mantras coming from India, you know, uh, Om Namah Shivaya and so on. But there's not a single mantra in the world that is as powerful as just thank you. Repeating thank you all day long will heal about just any illness we have because it, it opens up, it, it, it lets the flow of life and the flow of love go through us unhindered. I'm in such alignment with, with everything that you're sharing. It's so powerful. I just noticed the way you articulated the word for give. It's, yes. it's a gift to ourselves. It's forgiving. Exactly. And it's the same in French, pardonner. Donner means to give. Yes. Uh, in German, vergebung. Uh, vergeben is. The, so I always like to, to see where words come from. 
and mm-hmm. forgive. When I called my book The Gift of Forgiveness, it was a way to highlight this uh, origin of the word. And what I know to be true is that sometimes the things that seem unwelcome carry the greatest blessings of all or seem seem unfamiliar like when you came to the experience of the gift of forgiveness in the circle with don miguel and you simply surrendered opened your heart to what you couldn't imagine yet Mm -hmm. surrender is a great word we don't have the exact equivalent in french (laughs) unfortunately we have (laughs) verbs that are close to but surrender is just exactly that it's a it's really becoming aware that it, there is something that is so bigger than we are. And if we, if we manage to just open up to that, it can heal and transform anything. You know, over the past 10 years, I've met the most amazing people in my life because I've organized for four years in a row the, the Days of Forgiveness in France with 20 international speakers Then for the past two years, we've held International Forgiveness Day. So I've had the opportunity to meet people that went through the most amazing experiences in their life. Some things I would not wish to anyone losing a child or being first with somebody that has been murdered or rape or other things. But I've seen people who managed to overcome that. And when I see how they transform that and, and what their life has turned into, then what I see behind this word forgiveness is another great word. It's hope. And we need to give hope to people, hope that you won't have to spend the rest of your life in sadness, in tears, in anger, in resentment. You can be reborn. You can have a new life. You can have a, uh, things that at some point seem lost forever, but they're not. And I think we need to give that hope to people. Because a lot of people go through really terrible sufferings and issues. And we need to spread the message that there is a way to healing. There is a way to recovery. The work that you do is so meaningful and important, Olivier. And I want to thank you so much for being here with me today and for sharing all of your beautiful wisdom. Well, thank you. And, and uh, when those, those, those thanks. I'm letting them go through me and, and sharing them with Don Miguel because it's his sharing that experience with me uh, 22 years ago that, that allowed me then to, in my turn, do something with that experience and share it with uh, thousands of others. As Olivier says, forgiveness is the healing of the heart, a reopening to the preciousness of life the very essence of which is love. And gratitude is the song of the heart. I love that. Well, here is another song for you. This is All the Time by Forrest May.
I have created a self-forgiveness meditation for you. Here it is now. Begin by coming into stillness with yourself, breathing a little deeper, softening your face. If you can, do this before a mirror. And if not, you can try this again later in front of a mirror. And for now, just look within you. If you are before a mirror, look deep into your own eyes, into your soul. See the little one inside of you. See and feel the divine light shining inside of you. And repeat after me. Please forgive me for rejecting you all of this time. Please forgive me for overlooking your beauty. Please forgive me for forgetting your specialness. 
please forgive me. And now feel my energy of love and deep compassion surrounding you and take my words into your heart. I hear you. I see you. You are goodness. You are beauty. You are specialness. You are love and you are loved. Be gentle with yourself today and let this energy of self-forgiveness, compassion, and love continue to flow through your day and your week. I am so grateful to you as always for sharing this sacred time with me. I truly hope I'm able to bring a little more love and light into your life. Next week on the show, we'll explore the power of presence and how to cultivate it. In the meantime, you can connect with me on Instagram at Diaries Podcast for upcoming show info and daily messages of inspiration and love. The website is diariespodcast.com, where I share references from the show and resources for meditation. And check out the playlist I've created for you on Spotify with music from the show as well as some of my other soulful favorites. It's under The Diaries Podcast, and my name, Jen, as the publisher. I can't wait to be back here with you again next week. Until then, much love. 